Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has McKinley Wright Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today's going to be a little bit shorter podcast. We're going to knock out some basketball stuff, and uh, that's the plan for today. Um, I don't think there's really any other details we need to get to. If you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, definitely go back. That's uh, pretty in-depth what went down at practice yesterday. Get to hear from Carl and Brendan and JT and all them. And tomorrow... I will be back up in Boulder again. It'll be another pretty late night podcast, probably. Um, but actually, I actually need to figure out who I, I want to talk to. I've kind of got narrowed down who I want to get to early on. But which two do I need to speak to tomorrow? Uh, point is, you'll hear from a couple of those guys. You'll hear from Carl. That podcast will be up tomorrow. There'll be another one Saturday. They'll be very similar. Uh, today, though, like I said, some basketball news to get to. And this shouldn't take long. I'm going to do my best to keep it quick, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, first of all, Jabari Walker declared for the NBA draft. Uh, we're we're going to start there. Eventually, we'll get to this list of teams that have uh, reportedly contacted Keyshawn Bartholomew. Um, but with Jabari, um, actually, so here's the thing. There's, I haven't been able to figure out exactly when Jabari is when he needs to decide whether he's going to the NBA or whether he's going to stick with college. Um, there's like the NBA website says the deadline is June 13th. June 13th is the, the deadline to withdraw. There's also other websites that say like there's two deadlines, one on the first and one on the 13th. There's reported. I think David Roddy told Justin that, he needs to decide by the 1st of June. And obviously if he does, then so would Jabari. 
Um, I think Pat Rooney reported it as June 1st, and I trust him. So I think that June 1st is the day he needs to decide, but the fact that the NBA website says it's June 13th, that makes it tough to believe anything. So I actually like threw up the tweet this morning with the graphic. Like he's going to the, he's declared for the draft, whatever, and said June 13th. Now I'm just sitting here like trying to decide when to repost that when I know what exactly. The point is I haven't dug down that rabbit hole yet. Uh, but the point is that for about the next two months, we're going to have to just wait and see what happens. Um, he could decide to come back before the deadline, obviously, but the combine is in like mid to late May, like May 20th-ish or so, and I, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't at least go through the combine because, again, this is the same thing that McKinley Wright did before his senior year. He declared for the draft. He went to the combine. He went through all the workouts. He talked to all the scouts. He talked to all the executives, all that sort of stuff. And because of that, he really learned what he needed to do for the next time around. And he knew that he needed to work on his three-point shooting, those sorts of things. Still didn't wind up getting drafted after his senior year. Uh, but obviously, things are going pretty well for him on a two-way contract with the Timberwolves, uh, playing really well. It seems like every week or two, there's... Uh, like a crazy stat line that comes out. Like I think he had 15 assists or something a couple nights ago. So things are going well for him. And and I think that you can probably attribute part of that to the fact that he had a full year in college knowing what he needed to work on according to the NBA guys. So we've seen this happen before. I uh, Honestly, I'm more optimistic about Jabari returning than I was... Um, even just a few weeks ago. And it's not because I think like that loss to St. Bonaventure, that doomed him. No, it's just that when you look through these mock drafts, he isn't projected to go very high. If you just kind of like look around, um, you know, the, the most recent Bleacher Report mock draft has him going 36, um, the I just kind of like Googled it, like mock draft two rounds NBA, and, and figured that the ones that pop up the highest are probably the ones that people have been looking at the most, and that should mean something. But like NBA draft room doesn't have him being chosen at all in the 60 picks. Um, I think NBA draft.net had him at 50. No, I don't think he got drafted in that one. In the USA Today one, he was drafted, I think, 56. Or no, he was 58 in that one. Um, 58 or 59. The, the Tankathon one, he was, I think, 57. So in a 60-pick draft, he's really on the borderline of even being selected. Now, a lot is going to change between now and the draft, but it does kind of give you a sense of where he's sitting right now. Um, I think that it's easy to look at this situation and say, so... Will you get drafted higher this year or if you go back to school for a season and get drafted then? And that's a big piece of the equation, but it's still kind of missing some of the other aspects because the the way that these professional contracts work, I think in basketball, your your rights are retained for four years after you're drafted. So if you go to the NBA and say you make a million dollars a year, um, you you have those four years we're making a million dollars a year. After that, though, is when you can go sign another contract. 
and and that really is where you have a chance to make big money. Um, so while you do get paid more if you're drafted, you know, 15th instead of 30th, the fact that you you could burn one of those four years of being on a rookie contract would mean that you could potentially get your bigger contract sooner, right? And so that's kind of the other piece of the equation is that if if it's a tie, if you're saying like, ah, I, I might go higher, I might not go much higher, then you go right now so that you can get this out of the way and, and see if you can get one year closer to NBA free agency because that's where you know, a guy like Jabari Walker probably makes the jump from making a million, two million dollars a year to making six or eight million dollars a year because that's just the going rate of, you know, kind of a, a I don't want to say low level bench player, but, you know, ninth guy, eighth guy on the bench, something like that. And Jabari has all the tools to be a really good player, to be a starter, whatever. But again, when you're thinking about this rationally, like what is most likely for somebody who's projected to go around where Jabari is going to go? Well, right now, odds are you're probably going to wind up with a two-way contract. And, you know, you there's there's value in that being burned, but it also means that the team hasn't invested all that much in you. And it's pretty easy to see somebody who gets drafted late in the second round to be out of the NBA within a couple of years. And, you know, if, if I were Jabari, I'm not really sure what my line would be. I do think, first of all, I do think that he would get drafted higher if he goes back to school. And the the big reason for that, I guess there's two. The first is that he's going to have a real chance to be the best player in the Pac-12 next year. Um, he was already a first-team All-Pac-12. Uh, you know, the, the double-doubles kind of speak for themselves. But we also saw him become a very efficient and consistent scorer, consistent contributor all around late in the season. If he were to come back for one more year, he would be in the running for, you know, a Pac-12 player of the year, I think. And those awards do carry some weight, especially because it'd still be only three years in. You know, it's it's not like he's been there four or five years and you're talking about these old guys. Like, no, he'd be coming out, I think, as a 21-year-old if he goes back one more year, and that's just fine. I also think... You know, right now, I think an NBA team would look at him and say, yes, we'd rather have him now than next year, because if we have him now, then we get to control the development. You know, we get to we get to send him down to the G League and say, hey, work on these three things with him, because that's what we need to do. We get to have him in our weight program. We get to kind of mold him to be the player we want him to be. Um, and so that's why NBA teams would want him right now instead. But the truth is, if he goes back to school, he's going to wind up being a better player, being more polished um, when he comes out next year, and there's going to be less of that work to do, if that makes sense. And that's why he's still going to get pushed up the board regardless, even though, again, youth is something that is very much valued by all of these professional sports leagues. So I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I think Jabari comes back next year. Yeah, you know what? As of today, I do feel that way. You know, I, I was feeling kind of like 75-25 the other way, even even like a week or two ago, but I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come back. And I also know that there, there's some voices in his ear saying, like, you're, if, you, if you have the chance to go to the NBA draft and, and expect to be drafted, you take that. Like, you just take that and run with it. Like, that's not, it's not, you know, the, the lottery ticket that you're getting, but, you know, first round draft pick is basically landing that lottery ticket the winning lottery ticket because you're going to make a lot of money and just to be right on the verge of it you know playing in the g league getting called up 
there's you're close enough that you're within two or three injuries to the to the main team or you know even even just a few great games of winding up getting that opportunity the next year to actually be on the full roster so it's um First of all, I almost said like I don't envy being in Jabari's position. I do. You know, Jabari's in a pretty good place in life, and whatever happens, he he really can't go wrong. You know, the five years from now, you might be able to look back and say, ah, maybe you should have played it differently. But when your options are free school, still probably going to the NBA next year, or just going to the NBA and getting all that money now, like Jabari's in a really good place. It is a really hard decision, though, because it could be the difference of millions of dollars down the line. You know, if if he goes out next year and he winds up being, you know, a, I guess I guess if he's like a, a lottery pick, top 14 pick, then you're probably happy with that decision because you make so much more money right away. Um, but if he does wind up being, you know, the 35th pick next year and things work out for him, and it's one year longer before he gets to to get that big contract to get him up to six or seven million, um, or who knows? Maybe things go really well for him. Maybe he 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 plays in like the Rising Stars game. Maybe he's seen as one of these up and coming young guys. And even if he's not getting a max contract, it's pretty easy to see somebody like that getting a three four year deal or thirteen fourteen eighteen million dollars a year. So there is a lot on the line. It's just really hard to say what the right decision is. And it will become a lot easier for Jabari over the next couple of months as he gets to work out with NBA teams and talk to the the people in charge there and hear what they have to say, hear where they would draft him. And he can really come away with more information and say, like, hey, odds are it's between pick 40 and 50. That's, that's where I'm going to go. And is that worth it to go this year? Or do I think that I can make myself a first-round pick next year? That's a... Uh, that's a conversation that'll come down the line. And then we'll we'll get word of this through the mock drafts. And to be honest, like with the NFL, there's Todd McShay and uh, Mel Kuyper's probably number one on the list. Daniel Jeremiah, who they, they, they first of all, like watch the games and watch the tape and, and know who's good and who's not. But they also talk to people. They talk to the, the executives for all these teams and hear where they put these guys. And that's why it's worth paying attention to those because that's it's not just scouted it's also reported and I'm actually not sure on the basketball side who the key guys are but what we do know is that in those mock drafts in those projections you'll start to get a sense of where Jabari actually fits in as this process kind of takes its course um on top of that you know I think it's tough for CU fans to say like do we do we cheer for Jabari to get projected to be a lottery pick? Do we pull for Jabari to kind of fall out of the running just because we want to come back? You know, it's it's just a weird scenario for the CU side. Obviously, my end, like, I just want what's best for Jabari at this point. If he can go make some money, go make your money, and hopefully he becomes the star of the offseason. But that's all stuff that we have to wait and see. And uh, the other thing we'll have to wait and see about is where Keyshawn Bartholomew is going to wind up. And in particular... Is he going to stay in the Pac-12? Because I think there's a good chance that he will. Uh, first, though, Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. So I'm actually, I am about to head to the bar after this, DMVR bar after this, and get some work done there. 
First of all, because I'm hungry and I haven't gotten groceries. Well, actually, this is going to get real off track. I did get groceries. I just didn't get groceries well. Like, I got some rice. And I still had, like, some frozen fish and stuff. But I just ate through, like, a bag of chips and salsa and, like, ate some cookies. And it's like, well, is that all the groceries I got? This feels dumb. But uh, the point is, I don't have a lot of food at the moment. And I'm not dealing with getting groceries. So I'm going to head down to the bar, get a club sandwich. And also drink a beer and work from there because I'm headed out to this Avs game tonight where I will be drinking a couple more Brackenridge beers. That is like the one good thing about having these later practices for CU. It's like I, if, if I like finish this podcast and there's two more things I want to get written before practice tomorrow, I could knock those out before the game today and then not have anything to do tomorrow until football practice pretty later on. I, I will have to work late into the night, but that's another story. Um, point is Breckenridge Brewery is going to be a big part of my day and it should be a big part of your day too because it is really good stuff uh, whether you like the beers whether you like the hard seltzers they have something for you and if you haven't got your hands on it yet you're just making a mistake so make sure that you do that also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Sexy Pizza you know that's another good lunch option I actually don't know if they have any lunch specials I haven't checked that out um, but it's been a huge part of the Denver community for over a decade now. They've got a bunch of different locations. I think four in Denver. Uh, it's it's seriously good pizza. It's hand-tossed deck oven pizza. They make their dough from scratch every morning. And uh, they have gluten-free options. They've got vegan options. Uh, they've got different sizes, of course, and all the different sides you could want. So definitely check out one of their four Denver locations in Cap Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, or Park Hill, or the new location in Trinidad, Colorado that just opened. All right. Uh, so Keyshawn Bartholomew, uh, John Rothstein, uh, who, you know, it's... So I, I obviously was not like a huge college basketball guy growing up. So I didn't know of John Rothstein until I started doing this a couple years ago. Not going to lie, he kind of bugs me. And I had to unfollow him because, like, it's the same tweet over and over and over again. But uh, he did do some really good reporting here. He reached out, I guess, to Keyshawn, asked Keyshawn where he's getting interest from. And there's a list of schools that Keyshawn has been in contact with. And let's just run through those real quick. George Mason, obviously that one makes sense um, with Kim English there. Uh, Maryland, Nevada. Clemson, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Arizona State, SMU, Fresno State, Oklahoma State, Oregon, and BYU. So, with that big list, obviously, uh, there there's some big names in there. You know, Arkansas went on a, a nice run in this tournament. A couple Pac-12 teams. Uh, Notre Dame is never a bad option. So, I think the first thing worth noting is that just because he's been in contact doesn't necessarily mean that he has an offer, right? And so that's that's going to be the big thing is that, you know, if, if this is a list of offers, that's a really good list of offers to have. Um, those are some really good options. Those are some really good schools. Um, I, I'm curious to see how this plays out. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting talking about Keyshawn as a prospect. You know, we, we talk about him in the CU sense, you know, how does he fit in with the the rest of these guards? The answer is, 
you know, CU's probably all right seeing him move on. You know, you you have KJ right there who's ready to be a starter. You have Julian who actually was a starter for those last five games of the season. And between those two at point guard, you're kind of covered. Keyshawn wants to be a point guard, so there you go. You know, if Keyshawn wanted to play the two, which is where he'd be a much better fit, but that's not what he wants to do, uh, then, you know, maybe it'd be a little bit more of a conversation, but still, you have Neat Clifford there, and he just does so much more. In, in ter- Like, he, he plays offense and defense, right? And, and I think that that's kind of the one of those missing pieces with Keyshawn. Um, so from a CU sense, you understand why they don't necessarily uh, need to have Keyshawn back next year. But you look at some of these other teams, and when you think of Keyshawn in a vacuum, I think that it's pretty easy to get excited about him. Um, and that's because, you know, you look at what he does. Sure, he only shot a little under 35% from three this year, but he was taking really tough threes. And I think there's probably reason to think that he'll be closer to 37, 38% next year, right? There, there were some really dry spells and who knows, maybe this is just who he is, but with some time in the gym, you wouldn't be surprised to see those percentages go up as he gets into his junior season. Um, and on top of that, you know, we did see him become a little bit better playmaker later on in the year. Um, he, he accepted that bench role and seemed to, and first of all, I think that bench role is really what fits him well. Um, I think that coming in off the bench and having a chance to you know, shoot the ball a lot just straight up is something that I'm not sure if it does appeal to him, but it really should appeal to him because of how he plays the game. Um, when you look at Arizona State and Oregon, I mean, Arizona State in particular feels like a good fit to me. Um, that, that seems like the kind of player that they could get all in on. Um, again, we don't know that these are offers, just that they're teams that he's been in contact with. So, could he wind up at Oregon or ASU? I think there's absolutely that chance. Um, you know, you look at an Elijah Parquet, and to me, you know, if it, it, again, depends on what you're looking for, but I think just about anybody would be looking for somebody who is just a 3 and D with just one year of eligibility. I think the fact that he's gone after one year and you get that flexibility back, I think that that can be appealing in some cases too. You know, we talk about that kind of with these CU cornerbacks where, you know, you have a bunch of cornerbacks you really like and you're probably going to be happy playing them this season. But at the same time, would you rather say like, hey, you know what, for one year, bring in one more guy who we know is really good and he's going to be gone after this year, and then all these guys will definitely all get their chance next year. Like, you understand the case for it. And that's where Elijah Parquet can kind of patch something for one year, whereas Keyshawn, I think that you look at and say, we're bringing him in because we can make him better, um, because we can turn him into, you know, an all-pack-12 type of player. Because that's the thing is if things work out for Keyshawn, that's who he is, you know, as as – uh, basically, he's a shooter. He's a scorer. And and if he's going to be a good player, it's going to be because he's putting up 20 points a night. And if he's doing that, he's going to be all Pac-12, right? And so I think with Eli, the, the floor is obviously much higher. Um, with Keyshawn, you have the ceiling and the extra, I mean, really, three years of eligibility left because not everybody's going to treat the COVID year like Colorado does. You see the appeal. 
Um, for Arkansas, too, you could see him pulling up from deep in their colors, and it makes some sense. So definitely interesting just to see where Keyshawn is is at least in contact with. Um, I guess we're probably not that far away from figuring out where he's going to wind up. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least in the next month or so, he, he makes his commitment, he makes his decision, and we figure out, you know, is is he going somewhere in the Pac-12? Because, I don't know. As as much as that would kind of suck, it would also be a lot of fun. It would also be a lot of fun. Um, I think that that does it for today. Uh, I will be back, like I said, tomorrow after practice to talk some football. Um, and it should be it should be a good time. And we'll we'll talk then. Uh, stay tuned to thedmvr.com. There's all sorts of stuff coming up about spring ball. Everything you need to know is right there. And, of course, if you stay tuned to the podcast, you're not going to miss much at all. Uh, that's going to do it for today. We'll see you tomorrow.